God's word for our meditation this morning is the Old Testament lesson appointed for this Sunday from the book of Jonah, chapters 3 and 4. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, while I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. What a juxtaposition between what we saw in last week's sermon from the Old Testament and this one. Right, last week, we saw Joseph forgiving his brothers, and we were praying, Lord, make me like Joseph. Help me to forgive as I have been forgiven the wrongs that have been done to me. Make me like Joseph. And today, Lord, help me not be like Jonah. You know this story probably well, don't you? If you've grown up in the church, you heard this one way back in Sunday school, probably almost every year, every other year, the story of Jonah. It's, it's so short in your Bible at home, it's probably only three pages. You can read it in one sitting, no problem. But this story is more than just about a guy getting swallowed by a big fish. And it's more than just... Jonah's reluctance to go and preach because whatever reason he was afraid or didn't want to go or wanted to do other things it's more than that what this story of Jonah is about is Jonah's got a problem and that problem is also your problem and I know it is because it's mine too and the problem that Jonah has and you and I have is that how often in our lives the things that God is concerned about 
not the same as the things we're concerned about. God's concerns and our concerns are different. So what's Jonah's deal here? He is a prophet. That's what his divine call is. God has called him to be a spokesman for him, to go and to preach and teach God's word to the people that he sends him to. But Jonah, as you know from the beginning of the story, he had fled. He ran the opposite direction. Instead of going to Nineveh, he decided to get on a boat and try to flee to a place called Tarshish. He didn't want to go. And why? When his divine call is to be a prophet, to go where God tells him to go and to preach and teach that word of God, why did he run the other way and try to escape from doing his duty? Well, it's more than just the fact that these people in Nineveh were not God's chosen people. It wasn't just him as a, as a Jew looking down on these people who didn't deserve God's love because they were the chosen ones, not them. It's more than that. Nineveh is in Assyria. And it's likely that Jonah knows from some of his fellow prophets at the same time who have also been prophesying things about, to God's people and about things that are coming that this very Assyria is going to be the one that God uses to bring judgment upon his own people. In fact, it would only be about 30 years after this that God would use Assyria where Nineveh is located to take away the northern kingdom of Israel because of their sin and their disobedience. It's likely that Jonah has heard this from his, his, probably his friend and fellow prophet Hosea who prophesied that very thing. And so maybe you understand Jonah's reluctance to want to go to Nineveh and preach there. These are God's enemies. These are the ones who God has said that they are going to take off into captivity and destroy that northern half of the kingdom. Now we know, of course, the story. He finally goes after the whole big fish, spitting him out on land story. He eventually goes and he, and he does what God calls him to do. He goes and he preaches the message, repent, you've got 40 days or God's going to destroy your city. He goes and does exactly what God tells him to do, but we can tell here he's not happy about it. He did it. He fulfilled his duty, what God had told him to do, but he certainly is angry about it. You see, Jonah's concern was not aligned with God's concern. How about you? You know, there might be times in your life where you are called by God to speak the truth to an enemy, to someone who hates you, someone who is opposed to you, who God puts in your life that you are called to, to share the word of God with. But maybe it's a little bit closer. 
What about the other divine callings that God has given to you? That of being a spouse or parent. How do you view those callings that God has given you in your life? Are, are you doing those things just out of a sense of duty? Because you have to? Is that your attitude towards the work that God has called you to? Or, or think about just the things you do every day. The job you go to Monday to Friday. The service that God calls you to perform in the body of Christ at his church. You do them. You go through with them, but what's your attitude towards them? Is it just a sense of duty? This is what I have to do? Are your concerns in line with God's concerns? What's Jonah's problem? Well, it's clear here that he doesn't think God is doing what's right. Listen to what happens here. God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways after Jonah had gone and repented to them. And he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And actually in the original, in the Hebrew, it says, Jonah thought it was evil what God had done. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, this is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, just take my life. It'd be better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? What's Jonah's problem? He thinks God has done something evil here. He thinks God has done what is wrong. He says, that's why I didn't want to go, because I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to let them live. I knew you weren't going to destroy them. What you've done, God, is wrong. It's evil. You never do that, right? Do you? How often in your life haven't you questioned what God has done or what God you think hasn't done? And maybe you haven't used the word that that's evil, God, but I bet you thought, God, what you're allowing to happen is just wrong. You know, there are many, many Christians today who are, I'm going to use the word worried about what is going on in our world today. Who are worried about the state of our country. Who, when I talk to them, I, I, I can sense this questioning God and what he is allowing to happen and why he isn't doing something, why he isn't stepping in, why he isn't helping us and, and making things right. You're in the place of Jonah then. You may not be calling it evil, but you're saying, God, what you're doing is wrong. I don't agree with it. You see, the problem is our concerns are not the concerns of God. When we begin to question him and think he doesn't know what he's doing. What's Jonah's problem? 
he's more concerned about his own comfort than he is about the salvation of souls. And, and God reveals that, reveals what's in his heart about what he's really focused on with that vine, right? This, this sermon illustration that's right there that he gets to experience. This is what happens there. He says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Jonah is still hoping that God is going to still destroy it. That's why he's sitting out there. He's waiting to see what happens. Maybe God will still go through with it. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Jonah's concern is not for that city and the souls in that city. He's sitting outside that city hoping to see fire rain down from heaven and see them all be destroyed. What makes him happy? What is his concern here? It's a vine and some shade. His own personal comfort matters more to him than the comfort that God wants to give to these lost souls in Nineveh. God says to him, you've been concerned about this plant. You didn't tend it. You didn't make it grow. It sprang up overnight. It died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And there's a couple of interpretations. Does that mean that that's 120,000 just children there, right, who aren't old enough yet to know right from left? Or is it the 120,000 people total who just, they're, they're spiritually blind, right? They don't know this way from that way. Either way, it's a lot of people. And then he's even concerned about the animals there. You see God's concern God's concern for souls. And what a juxtaposition between God's concern for the eternal welfare of the people of Nineveh and Jonah's concern for his own comfort, his own personal, earthly, temporary comfort. But that's not you, right? Is it? Are you more concerned about your own personal temporary earthly comfort than you are about someone's salvation? Have you shied away from those hard conversations? And those sticky situations? Because it was going to make you feel uncomfortable? Let's be honest. We're taught as Americans to seek our own comfort. To live a cushy life to make things as easy as possible. It's the American way. And we buy right into that, don't we? And, and unfortunately, when it comes to what we are called to do too, is your personal comfort in your life that you're just willing to just skate by, skate through, and just not have any interactions that are going to cause any friction or difficulty to you, 
Is that more of a concern to you than what God is concerned about? And let's just get it out in the open. What is it that God is concerned about? I could say there's a lot of things. But most importantly, more than anything else, what is God's most important concern? Your soul. And the salvation of every soul. That is God's primary and greatest concern, the salvation of every single soul, yours and every other one on this planet. You want to know how you can know that's true? Because look at the cross. And there see how much God is concerned for the salvation of your soul. Bloody. Beaten. Suffering not just physical pain and torment, but spiritual, emotional. Suffering hell itself for you. How concerned is God for you and your salvation and for the souls of this world? Enough to give his life. To take what you deserved upon himself. The hymn we just sang, His Robes for Mine, I, I know it's a, a newer hymn and it's one we've, we haven't sang here in a while. I, I'd encourage you, take that service folder home and read through those words. Read through them because you were probably just struggling to hit the notes while we were singing it. Read through the words and just see on full display what Christ did for you took your place, took your punishment, took your sin, took your death, took hell from you so that you could have his robes, so that you could have his righteousness, so that you could have the promise that you stand in the grace of God right now and you have the promise that someday you'll get to stand in his presence forever. Friends, that's grace. That's undeserved. That's God for you and for all people. God is so concerned for your soul that he was willing to take all of it on himself. And that opens your eyes, doesn't it? When you come to know and experience that grace that God has shown me through that life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, my Savior and my substitute, then you get to look out at a world a world of people, a world of souls who God is concerned about too, who God cares for, who God loves, who God wants to come to a knowledge of the truth, a world of souls that God wants to be in heaven along with you too. Jonah got to experience the grace of God. And that, that's what's so interesting here, too, is it, he got swallowed by that big fish instead of being drowned, and, and God miraculously allowed him to stay alive inside of that fish for, for three days, and then it spit him out on the dry land, and he was fine. There was no recovery time. It was just, all right, off, off I go to Nineveh. 
Jonah experienced the grace of God through that whole ordeal there. But do you know in, in the New Testament, Jesus points to that very miracle, that very story, as being a foreshadowing of him and what he would come to do? Jesus says to his enemies, just as Jonah was in the heart of that fish, in the belly of that fish for, for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, but he will rise again. My friends, Jonah got to experience the grace of God, and you and I have too. We have seen through the eyes of faith our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus, in the gospel, in word and in sacrament. We get to experience and taste that grace of God that we know is for us. It's for me, but not just me. It's meant for all. And when God's concerns then become our concerns, when we finally come to see that what God wants, that salvation of all souls, is what I want too, when that is my life's purpose, when that is what I'm focused on, then my life changes. My purpose for living changes. How everything I do in my life changes. So when God's concerns become our concerns, we find delight in our divine callings rather than just seeing them as duties. Taking time for a devotion and prayers with our children before we go to bed isn't something we have to do. It's something we delight in doing. Coming to church, even though you could be sitting home and watching the Packers in 15 minutes, is not a duty, it's a delight. Serving in God's church with the talents and the abilities that he's given you in order to serve others isn't something you have to do. It's not duty, it's delight. You see, when God's concerns become our concerns, everything we do in life has a greater, grander purpose. It becomes delight. When God's concerns become our concerns, we get to praise God for who he is instead of complaining to him. Now, how often we want to question God and doubt God and even challenge God and maybe get angry at God like Jonah did for what he's doing or what he's not doing. But when God's concern becomes ours, we see what God's doing. We see God being patient and wanting more to come to know the truth of Jesus Christ. We may not understand it. We may wonder why things are happening in our world the way that they are, but we put them into the almighty and gracious, loving hands of our God. Because God, you know what you're doing. And everything you do is because you care about souls. Because you want all people to have that opportunity to hear about their Savior. And that you are reigning and ruling over all things for our good. Even if that causes us struggle and difficulty. 
Even if that causes us pain and agony in this life, we know, God, that you are good and you are gracious. You see, when God's concern becomes our concern, we're going to be led to praise God for who he is. When God's concern becomes our concern, we're going to put the care of souls over our own personal comfort. So in those times, when we are going to maybe feel a little uncomfortable having that conversation with, with our son or daughter, or that friend, or that fellow church member, it's not about me. It's about their soul. About their eternal welfare. That I'm willing to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm willing to be put in a situation where this is not what I want to do. But out of love and care for this soul that Jesus bled and died for, I have to. I can't not. Dear friends, you see how everything changes when God's concerns become our concerns. I know you have a lot of concerns in this life. Your family, your job, your income, your health. And I want to assure you that God is concerned about all of those too. God cares about all of those physical things as well. But way more than even those. God is concerned about the salvation of your soul and the salvation of everyone's souls. He is most concerned that his grace, that undeserved love in Jesus Christ is made known to the world and believed and held onto and then shared. You know, the book of Jonah just ends, it's, it just ends kind of awkwardly, doesn't it? God asking a question. And we know nothing more about Jonah after this. He doesn't come up anywhere else in Scripture. And so we're kind of just left guessing what, what becomes of Jonah. What becomes of the situation? We know what becomes of Assyria 30 years later, what God uses them for, but, but Jonah, we don't know. Did he remain angry at God? Or did he repent? The way that I like to tend to believe it went is that Jonah was led to repentance. And I think the proof of that is that Jonah is attributed with writing this book that bears his name. Jonah's willing to put on the pages of Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, his anger at God, even calling God and doing what, he's, what he had done evil, and just kind of leaving it hang out there. Because he had been led to see his sin and to repent of it, and again to find in that same message that he got to preach to Nineveh and many others, repent, turn to God, and find grace and compassion and forgiveness. And I believe Jonah experienced that. You know, Jonah's story is written. It's completed. Your story is still going. And so whatever it's been in your life that's kept you from aligning your concerns with the concerns of God, it's time to repent. 
it's time to turn to God and to receive that compassion and that kindness and that forgiveness that is yours too. And then to pray, Lord, align my concerns with yours. Let the salvation of souls, of my own, of my families, of my fellow church members of this world be my greatest and most important priority. And see what God can do through you and through the message that you get to share. God, give you the strength and the will and the desire to go and to proclaim grace for all. Amen. Please stand.